Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 377 and uh, we're going to tackle something very important right now. You know, I don't do many religious things. The joke on our podcast is uh, during Christmas week we do something called Two Jews Hanging on Christmas Day. That's about as uh, religious as, as I'll get. Uh, but the Kyrie Irving story needs to be addressed. Kyrie Irving is a basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, there's been a lot made of some of the things that have gone on with him off the court. Uh, you know, in the beginning of his career, he was known as a flat earther. And I, I kind of chuckled at the whole thing. I don't understand it. I, Carl Everett was a baseball player that also thought the world was flat. He also thought dinosaurs didn't exist. And, you know, people have their beliefs and whatever. I, I kind of just kind of chuckled at it. Um but last year, he was um, not eligible to play at home games uh, because he refused to take the vaccine. And I just thought it was hurting the message, and I was against it. But recently, when he posted on his social media uh, a link to a film uh, that spread anti-Semitic propaganda, it caught my attention. And I was debating whether or not to do something on this podcast about that. A couple of days after Kyrie Irving was suspended by the Brooklyn Nets, the FBI announced that there was a credible threat to a number of synagogues in throughout the state of New Jersey. I live in New Jersey. It wasn't my county. It's not the point. The point is anti-Semitic uh, behavior is skyrocketing. Uh, there is the chaotic situation with that Kanye West. And I will say that I tweeted something that said, um, I couldn't name one Kanye West song. I do know who he was married to, that lady from the porn video. So I wanted to figure out how I could tackle this. And I will tell you that I have befriended a, a person, and this is a podcast called Sports with Friends, uh, my friend David Weisberg. He happens to be a rabbi. And what I was amazed by when he became the rabbi at the temple I belong to is how young he was. Uh, he's my age. Uh, if, if anything, he might be a couple of years younger. Uh, I met him when my daughter was bat mitzvahed a year ago. That was it. I was impressed. And then in February of 2022, my father passed away. And he called me. And it was very nice. He offered to uh, conduct one of the services at what they call in Judaism a, a shiva, uh, where you mourn somebody who, who, who died. And uh, he came and, and did so. And it was very nice of him. Uh, but we started talking, and it turns out he was a massive fan of my other podcast, The Hall of Justice. So we started talking about superheroes, and it turns out that we had a lot in common. We recommend shows. We'll go get a, grab a beer. Uh, we become friends. And not because he's a rabbi. I'm not very religious, to be honest. Um, I was bar mitzvahed, but, you know, I, I don't force religion on anybody. Uh, I don't care what religion people are. Uh, I'm very tolerant of other religions. Um, and I don't like when religion impacts uh, policy. And I, I think there should be a separation of church and state. So... When the Kyrie Irving situation happened, I wanted to talk to somebody who had the perspective that Rabbi Weisberg had. 
And so we will talk to him today here on Sports with Friends. It is also week 11 in the National Football League. I, I will be honest, the NFL has been so compelling. That Buffalo-Minnesota game was wild. Um, the Washington-Philadelphia game on Monday night was amazing. Uh, just it's, it's been so good, uh, the NFL. And uh, what we've been doing here on the podcast all season long, and for an, a few seasons now, is we uh, preview the week ahead in the National Football League and give you the latest odds with the head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow. We recorded this podcast in person, so without further ado, this is my conversation with the rabbi at my temple, my friend, David Weisberg. You know, somebody who uh, worked with, with Prince, he uh, changed his name to an unpronounceable symbol. And I've often wondered, you know, what do you call him? And he would always say, well, if you're with me, what do you have to call me? So now I'm with you. I talk to you every day. Do I call you Rabbi? Do I call you Rabbi Weisberg? Do I call you Dave? Do I call you David? How do I address you? I'm so confused. Dave is completely fine. Uh, the title is there, but it's not necessary when we're having conversations together when we're friends. All right. So, yeah. so, so if you're coming on this podcast, you are not. And as I said, I'm not very religious. This isn't a very. Uh, this isn't going to be a very religious experience, at least for me. Uh, there has been a lot being talked about uh, ever since Kyrie Irving was suspended. Um, I want to start the conversation this way. When Kyrie Irving would say that the earth was flat, I chuckled at him. When he refused to get the vaccine, I kind of laughed at him. When he posts the film that is promoting anti-Semitic tropes, I wasn't sure how to feel. Why is this such a big deal? There is a certain responsibility that comes when you have a large platform. As it is, uh, religiously, and just we know as a reality. So if a guy on the street is promoting that on his Twitter feed, no one cares. I would still say that he should do better. But yes, if he has an audience of 10 people on Twitter, it doesn't matter. When you have millions of followers, you have a particular responsibility. Anytime your actions, your words can have an impact on such a high number of people, you have to take extra caution because you can do serious damage. And he has a ton of followers. And not only that, contextually speaking, we are in a time where anti-Semitism is significantly on the rise. So it's not just funny. It's not just making a joke. It's at a time where people are actually acting on ideas, that there is violence being done to many minorities and right now to the Jewish people. So when you make statements that promote films that say that uh, all sorts of derogatory, awful things about Jews, people will hear that and people will take that as something closer to truth. Well, I, I want to play, <laughs> I'm saying this in a temple, I want to play devil's advocate. Uh, it's okay, we, the devil is uh, not to us what he is in. Okay, that's yeah. the other religion, got it. Uh, I told you, I didn't know my stuff. Um, the, uh, the, the idea of, of opinion and the freedom of opinion, there can be, if I, if I saw 10 people down the street and five of them were anti-Semitic, but they didn't say anything to me and I didn't know, that can go on and, and the earth still spins. Um, 
when you start talking about things that are clearly factually inaccurate, that's where I, I wanted to really get to the crux of this. You know, that film says that the Holocaust didn't happen. And this idea that, you know, that's to me the same nonsense like Alex Jones saying Sandy Huck didn't happen. Like, people say these things and it's not an opinion. That's not an opinion. That is a flat-out lie. Is that the problem? Wait, uh, just so I understand, is the problem that people are just spreading lies and misinformation? Well, is that what... Is that what's anti-Semitic about what Kyrie posted? He's not posting... He didn't post like like Kanye West. He didn't come out and say, you know, death to the Jews and all these other dumb dumb things. What Kyrie Irving said was, this is a film with an off... a differing point of view. If it was a point of view, I'd respect that. It's not. It's lying. It's saying something didn't happen without getting super political here. How do these lies get made up? I guess it's not only the Holocaust denial of the film, right? It's also bringing in the different tropes through history of the Jews being usurpers of an identity that other groups have claimed. And that is an anti-Semitic trope that goes back through the centuries. So did he outright say something anti-Semitic? Not directly, but he promoted a film that gives ideas that are completely false and in doing so gave power and voice to more of those ideas. So is he, would I say that that was directly an anti-Semitic statement? I'm not sure. However, what he did do was incredibly problematic and damaging and careless. Either he did it deliberately or it was thoughtless and like flippant. Like people do that on Twitter. They they'll post something without reading it or something like that. We don't think. And we all do that. However, if you do it, then you have to take responsibility for your actions, right? We free speech is a value of our society, but there are consequences to that free speech. And if you tell falsehoods or if you tell if you speak uh, language of hate you have to be held accountable for it. And what we would hope is that most of us would own it right away and Kyrie doubled down. More of this important discussion on anti-Semitism in sports with David Weisberg in just a moment. But first, it is week 11 in the National Football League. And with that, let's bring in the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. All right, let's take a look at the Thursday night game. This is a prime game. The Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, which will be under freezing, won't be the zeros, you know, Tom Coughlin greasing up his face with Vaseline, but uh, it will be 31 degrees at kickoff. Uh, the Tennessee Titans take their 6-3 and three record into Green Bay to face off against the Packers. Yeah, Packers with a, a massive comeback win on Sunday, Seth. They are uh, three-point favorites of this one at Bavada, and uh, looking at the game itself, uh, like I said, Packers are currently three-point favorites. The over-under is sitting at 41 and a half. Um, you know, every game now, I think, for Green Bay is pretty must-win at this point. Uh, the Titans, surprisingly, leading uh, the AFC South at this moment, so they haven't been slouches either. Should be a good one. This is uh, an opportunity for the Titans to really solidify that hold over a very weak division. And for the Packers, uh, like I said, everyone's uh, must-win. Action pretty split so far in this one. Meanwhile, the uh, unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles are unbeaten no more. The uh, Eagles lost to, of all teams, the Washington Commanders at home. Now they travel to Lucas Oil Stadium to take on Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts. 
boy, the storylines abound. Hey, NFL head coach Jeff Saturday, 1-0 so far. Uh, Matt Ryan uh, playing football again after he was told that he'd be benched for the remainder of the season. Uh, interesting things with his Colts team. I uh, still don't really know what to make of them because when you have a, such a dynamic situation like uh, a coach coming in who's never coached before in the NFL, uh, what exactly are they going to do? So uh, that's a bit tricky for us uh, at Pavada to try and sort. But looking at the Eagles, you know, e even with that loss to the Commanders, uh, they just really ran up against a kind of a funky game plan that kept uh, Jalen Hurts and that offense off the field, which, uh, you know, put a lot of pressure on the very limited possessions they did get in that game. So uh, I don't really, you know, that loss didn't hurt the Eagles ratings too much with us. Uh, and as a result, they come into this one on the road as six and a half point road favorites. Uh, a little bit of early money on the Colts so far, leaning in that direction at Bavada and the over under is sitting at 45 right now, Seth. Then there's the Minnesota Vikings riding high off their victory over the Buffalo Bills. Now they go back home to U.S. Bank Stadium. They'll host the Dallas Cowboys uh, in what could be another thriller. Yeah, really interesting game here, Seth. Uh, the Vikings, as you noted, uh, riding super high after that incredible win uh, against Buffalo on Sunday. Um, just absolutely stunning. Uh, this Vikings team is really, really good defensively, really, really good offensive uh, weapons in Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson. Uh, unfortunately, I still don't know how great they are with Kirk Cousins under center. And in this one, it might surprise folks that even though the Vikings are, what, 7-1, and 8-1, and one, uh, they are home underdogs here to the Cowboys. Ever so slight ones, though, Seth. Uh, they are only one-point underdogs, so the game's pretty close to a pick so far. Uh, based on that recency bias of that incredible win, uh, the Vikings are actually our biggest position this week at Bavada, Seth. Most money on them compared to any other team. Over-under sitting at 47.5 right now. One of the higher ones of the week as well. The Sunday night game at uh, beautiful SoFi Stadium. LA Chargers, I still want to call them San Diego. Uh, they take on the Kansas City Chiefs, who are over a touchdown favorite. Is that true? Uh, they're sitting right on a touchdown right now. And I'm right with you uh, when, you know, I still frequently think of them as the San Diego Chargers. And I think also because of that touchdown song they used to play, that San Diego Superchargers. That's always in my head, even now in 2022 whenever I see uh, Justin Herbert connect with one of his wideouts. But uh, yeah, pretty interesting game here. I, I was surprised when we lined uh, the Chiefs as high as we did as seven point favorites in this one. I, I do think they're great. I think they're a really good team. I think this Chargers team is underrated as well. They're currently sitting five and four. Tough loss Sunday night football against the 49ers. They were right in it uh, for most of the game. Um, I I would see this as a seven point uh, spread if the Chiefs were the home team. So I know, I know I'm kind of leaning dangerously into suggesting a play, which we try not to do here, but I, I will just leave it at that and say that I'm su surprised. And uh, so far, it looks like some of our betters are surprised as well, Seth, as about 65% uh, of all bets are on the Chargers at home, plus seven at Bavada. That over-under is sitting at 50, which isn't too surprising given the kind of offenses we're expected to see Sunday night. Uh, should be a blast. Uh, you know, the, the Chiefs looking to put some distance in the AFC West right now. Chargers looking to play a little catch-up and maybe just stay in contention for one of those wild cards. That is the great Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at Bavada. Now back to our conversation with Rabbi David Weisberg on anti-Semitism, but also other prejudices of other minorities in sports. In the press conference, he was an absolute dick to a, a good guy who, a future guest on this podcast, Nick Friedel from ESPN, who's, who's a, a great reporter, um, and said that he, he didn't, you know, he didn't he didn't say anything hateful. All he was saying was he was presenting a different point of view. 
Um, the Nets owner, Joe Tsai, uh, and the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, who's Jewish, by the way, have both said they don't believe Kyrie Irving's anti-Semitic. Is that, does that matter? I mean, if we are going to go into what we think of Kyrie's actual views, yes, then that matters. However, we don't judge him by what we think, what he thinks. Maybe we do. But we judge him by his choices, by his behavior. I may not say certain awful things. However, were I to invite a speaker to the Bema at the synagogue to share some ideas and those ideas ended up being deeply offensive. As the person who brought him in, I am responsible for what he said. If Kyrie is promoting a work that argues that the Holocaust was not real and uh, says other awful things about Jews, he's responsible for those words. He may not realize what he's responsible for, but he's responsible. Do you think that there's... This is really just the, the straw that breaks the camel's back in that... The NBA is still upset with him about the COVID nonsense and the and the anti-vax stuff. Um, they were trying to present a message. You know, the NBA is very big on activism. Like they took the election day off because they wanted their arenas to be uh, voting uh, locations. Uh, they 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 stand on social justice as a league, as a collective. And most of the time, I applaud them them for it. In the circumstance of Kyrie, do you think that? If he's a one-time offender, if 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 the flat Earth stuff never happened, and if the the anti-vax stuff didn't happen, remember he missed a season because of a New York law that said that if he wasn't vaccinated, he couldn't play. My attitude then is I I played on the thirty years, almost thirty years of of covering athletes. The one thing at the end of either a Hall of Fame career, an average career, a nothing career, the one thing every athlete will always say at the end of it is I wish I had more time. So what I think Kyrie Irving will feel at the end of his career, now, I, you know, I can't profess to be inside of this lunatic's head, but when at the end of his career, he will have regret for the time he missed, whether it's for this or for the COVID stuff, yeah. because there's not a, a dollar in the world that can make up for once his career's over, it's over. In, I'm going to have to pull out some Jewish teachings here, you know. <laughs> well, that's kind of why we had you. Yeah. Uh, we have this concept of tshuva, right? If you, we talk about it at Yom Kippur all the time, but it is for all year round. If you do something wrong, there is a process. Sorry, there's the Canadian coming out. Um, there is a process for repair. You have to state what you did wrong. You have to own it. You have to make changes to not behave that way. And then... When the time comes again where you are presented with a similar situation, we need to see different behavior. So one-time offender, okay. He made a mistake. Hopefully he doesn't do it again. Once you start seeing repeat habits, when he has been called out for it, it stops being something that's forgivable. It means he could be forgiven, but he has to do a lot more work. So had this been the first instance of him making a poor choice, call him out. Expect an apology. Expect some difference in behavior. Flat earthing, that's just stupid. Denying the importance of vaccines, I see that as really dangerous too when you have a public platform because this was a major health crisis. Well, that was the thing. They were trying to send a message and then they had this player that was going against their message. And I applaud the NBA for taking that level of responsibility. It's not just a player going against the message. It is a player with a mass audience, again, spreading disinformation that could actually kill people. 
So he did that once. Now he's doing that a second time. And it took a lot for him to actually go down the path of taking action to fix it. This portion of Sports with Friends is brought to you by Uncommon Goods. One of the hardest things that I have found, especially in my adult life, is shopping for my mom, my teenager, my in-laws, even friends. I don't know what to get as gifts. I hate bringing things and I hate doing gift cards. Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. Here's a couple that I found and got for my relatives. The MLB Park Map Glasses. Each set of two whiskey glasses features a map of an iconic MLB stadium in the team's two main colors. I got one for a friend in Seattle, and I got one who's a Nationals fan. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. No matter what your family or friends are into, Uncommon Goods has the perfect gift. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everybody. And when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small, independent businesses. With every purchase that you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash SWF for Sports with Friends. That's uncommongoods.com slash SWF for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Now back to the show. The day uh, after Kyrie's uh, press conference where he doubled down, uh, the FBI said that there was a threat on a bunch of synagogues in New Jersey. Kyrie Irving is from New Jersey. Uh, he, uh, he, you know, he, he always talked about how he was a fan of the New Jersey Nets growing up. That's why he's, he's, he's with the Brooklyn Nets. And it was, was that a coincidence? Was, was there a correlation between Kyrie Irving's actions, whether on social media or at that press conference, and then the, the legitimate threats to synagogues across, I think it was five counties in New Jersey? I would definitely not say that that's a correlation. Someone who is making a threat like that, that the FBI takes seriously, requires more planning than they probably would have had time for. I wouldn't call it coincidental either, because it's all part of this rise in anti-Semitism, right? Over the past few years, people who have been seeking to uh, carry out anti-Semitic acts or show their views have been far more bold and almost welcomed in uh, this environment. And he is part of this phenomenon, Kyrie promoting this film and then doubling down. That's part of the phenomenon. And unfortunately, the threat against our synagogues was a far more dangerous part of that phenomenon. Thank God they caught him. They caught the guy. Right. Right. And there's, so, so there's there's no correlation. The NBA, uh, a bunch of years ago, when the Clippers owner, Donald Sterling, uh, was caught on tape making some uh, racial uh, tropes. Um, he was forced to sell uh, the Clippers. Uh, Robert Sarver, who's the owner of the Phoenix Suns, uh, has been caught uh, saying things bad about women and having harassment claims against him. And uh, he is being not forced to sell. He's been suspended for a year, uh, but he's selling uh, the Phoenix Suns. 
why is it different for a player? And in the sense that the NBA moved so quickly on the Clippers and the Suns, the NBA literally acted instantly, whereas this, they took a week to react. Why is that? Can't say exactly what happened, but I would speculate that they actually gave this good thought. You know, this you have to think about the right approach. I think in this day and age, as someone who is coming down very much on the uh, anti-Semitism that's coming up, and I'm the last person who wants to call out anti-Semitism and call it a problem. I, I think it distracts us from the things we really need to be doing. And I will say we are now at the phase where this is a problem. I don't know that we should have jumped to force the, the, these people to sell their teams. I don't know the full story, but we need to be able to give people an opportunity to come back to fix their mistakes. And I think that is a good part of what the NBA is demanding of Kyrie. But in, but in this situation, you know, to me, it's because he's a good player. You know, there, let, let's bring some other equations in, into the situation. During the COVID lockdown, uh, there was a player, uh, he was a, a video gamer, and he was on Twitch. And in the heat of the moment, he screamed an anti-Semitic slur. He said he didn't even know what the word meant. He just, he did it anyway. Um, he never saw the NBA again. Um, Kyrie Irving's too good a player. And what I, what, I un- what I want to understand, because I see a lot of people who I respect on social media, uh, a, a good friend of mine, Atan Thomas, uh, who is a social activist of the highest order and, and, a, and a great guy, uh, he thinks the punishment is too harsh, um, that the punishment has to fit the crime. And, you know, for the amount of times people have said anti-black things um, without any kind of penalty, um, don't single him out just because he's not, you know, he, he, he's, he's targeting a different group. I don't know enough about the scale of punishments to really be able to compare this against others, but I do know it involves compensation to help promote programs that counteract the damage that he's done. It requires education so that he can actually develop an understanding of what he did wrong because it seems like he didn't have an understanding, right? It requires public statements, and there is a timeout, let's call it. I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think people... You think he plays another game in the NBA? I don't know the NBA well enough to... I, I, I personally don't. I think that they're, they've made that list of demands that they've made. Yeah. I think that's so he'll, he won't play anymore. And I what I see is he gets a you know he plays for a, a basketball league in Greece or some other European uh country and and he's gone um that that's where I see this going I really hope he takes a different route I I think it's important that we actually welcome people back in after they've done wrong that's how we get forward we don't move forward as a society by completely blacklisting everyone that may be a poor choice are you, are you talking about cancel culture because that's what people think this is. This is cancel culture. It's absolutely cancel culture. Yes, there are some people who should be canceled. But that should be at the extreme. That should be the final step. If somebody takes a misstep, you tell them what they did wrong. You give them an opportunity to fix it. You don't make them sell the team. You don't kick them out. And likewise, if someone does wrong and doesn't have to face a consequence, that's a problem too. If someone speaks against any minority, if someone uh, makes racial slurs... There should be consequences for that. 
And Kyrie, who has now had several missteps, let's call them, maybe an understatement, there are consequences. But then he should have a path to come back. The question is, will he take it? I don't know. But that should now be in his court. When, when we say anti-Semitism is rising, um, is that really just because of the toxic discourse in everything that there is a group of people in the United States of America that hate Jews and they did three years ago. They didn't just start to hate Jews. It's just like there's a group of people that hate Asian people. And then when COVID happened, all of a sudden there was anti-Asian uh, backlash. Is that all this is, is that this, this, this toxic, hateful discourse? There's, you know, there's not more people. There's not more people that hate Jews today than there was three years ago. Oh, it's a complicated question. Um, uh, just a couple of points on this. First of all, yeah, there have always been undercurrents. There have sadly always been people who have these hateful views. And over the past couple of years in the past culture, they have been permitted to, encouraged even to come forward. It used to be that the KKK had to cover their faces. Now they are bold-faced and speaking up. And this is empowering to a lot of folks. And as that culture develops... Neo-Nazi nonsense. Oh, completely. Then we are also in a time where it feels like the world is crumbling around us on so many scales. And our democracy is under threat, right? Um, there's voter suppression. There is uh, more and more separation between groups. Whenever societies seem to devolve... We always look for a scapegoat. We look for someone to blame. And sadly, history has shown us time and time again that the Jews are, uh, I guess I can say the Jews, uh, we are the perennial scapegoat. We are always the other. We are those people who exist on the outskirts with different views. And thankful, uh, or sorry, due to a whole lot of trope that different traditions have kept, it's very easy to turn against us. What about um, the comparison from anti-Semitism to anti-Asian or anti-black sentiments? Is it, is it the same hate groups? Are there different people? I, you, know, you know this yes. more than I do. I, it, who hates all these groups? Or if you are a hateful person, does that mean you hate everybody? Or you know, are there people who are are pro-black but anti-Jew or pro-Jew anti-black? Like, does that exist? I would I would speculate here that you can lump a lot of them together. That someone who is going to turn another person into someone who they don't they dehumanize, they see as another. Yes, they will do that against Jews. They will do that against blacks. They will do that against Asians, other minorities. There's some people who are far more focused in their hate. And they choose it for a variety of reasons. We are also seeing right now on the other side a phenomenon of being anti-Israel as a way of covering up anti-Semitism where they are, again, using the tropes of Jews being in power, of Jews being the true oppressors. And that is proving to be far more divisive when it comes to us building relationships with other minority communities and actually trying to stand together. It's a far smaller threat than what we're seeing from the extreme right. But there is some divisiveness that's happening as a result of that. You have, um, 
you've told me offline uh, that you meet with uh, leaders of other minority groups. Can, do you mind sharing some of that of, of other minority groups? I, I wanted to make sure this wasn't a, a Jewish podcast. You know, we do the uh, we do the, uh, the, the, the tradition. Yeah. We have the tradition on Sports with Friends uh, every every uh, week of Christmas. We do uh, the, the episode. Scott Seidenberg, my buddy, uh, joins me and we do uh, two Jews hanging out on Christmas Day. Oh, nice. And we've done uh, four volumes uh, of it. That's that's literally the most religion we've ever had on, on this on this podcast. Wait, hold on, though. It depends on the situation. But as far as hate and that experience of it, yes, we all feel that. Uh, there was uh, a Hindu community nearby where their property was defaced, and we feel for them, and we stand with them. Uh, I do a lot of work uh, with the New Jersey Institute of Social Justice in Newark, where they are pushing for um, at least an investigation into New Jersey's history uh, in, with the slave trade, uh, to at least come to terms with the reality of what this state is responsible for, because we're all in this together. We should be. Um, I have a dear friend who is an imam, and when uh, there was an incident of Islamophobia, I forget what it was, we showed up at the mosque to be there for our friends because we are all in this together. We have to be. There aren't enough of us. And sometimes there are divisive incidents that really cause issues, and it, I hate it. I, I hate it. It's damaging. They don't need to be. There aren't enough of us. Do you get the sense that whether it's sports or just, you know, any kind of uh, entertainment uh, venture, that there is a lot of anti-Semitism or a lot of bias that we don't know about? Am I am I naive to it that I'm thinking if I watch the uh, the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Commanders, um, are there six guys on each team that are hateful people? I think most people are good people. I think some people will sometimes share hateful words that are completely unintended to be hateful. They're just saying it because that's part of their vocabulary. I think that there's a smaller group of people who aren't actually hateful, but will say stupid things and then double down. And then there are some hateful people who, for one reason or another, maybe they were raised that way, maybe... They've got an axe to grind. Does that does that generally come out? Is is that something where people can be privately hateful people? That there are people listening to this podcast that have that that hate the fact that I'm doing this episode, but they won't be the the uh, they won't vocalize that. I would like to think that most people don't vocalize the nasty things they think. We all think nasty things at different points. We all think things that. Thank God don't come out because we may not actually believe those things, but the thoughts come to mind, right? It happens. This is part of being human. Our mind produces a whole bunch of garbage, and there are some gold things that come out too, and most of the time we are able to filter it. I would hope that most people can filter it. Well, if he did somebody else's podcast, not this one, but if he went on a podcast and explained all that, you would welcome him back with open arms you, you you would welcome the discord and say you know go score 35 points and 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 be on a team jonathan greenblatt is the head of the anti-defamation league and i can never remember who it was right. who who returned a half a million dollars said you got a lot more work to do right but he also made friends with someone who was a white supremacist and a leader in that movement and in 
in having those conversations and becoming friends, he turned him back to something reasonable. So if someone is willing to do the work to actually learn, you bring them back. And in order to do that work, you have to be able to speak with them and have some empathy for them. It doesn't mean that you have to abide by the uh, beliefs that they have, but you have to recognize that there's a human being behind that. And we're all fallible. Let me throw uh, a, a curveball, though. Wait, uh, I thought we are talking about basketball. That's a yeah, baseball. I, I know. Uh, and baseball's boring. Um, <laughs> there's a story in 2017 yeah. of Roberto Osuna. Uh, he's a pitcher for the Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays, uh, your hometown team. And uh, he had uh, domestic violence accusations, and he was suspended. The owner of the... I don't know if it was the owner or one of the chair people of, of the Blue Jays, I'm paraphrasing here, said, uh, this guy will never wear our uniform again. I, I can't look. I, I, he will not put on our uniform. So they traded him. And the Houston Astros um, grabbed him, and he was part of their world championship yeah. team. And the real obnoxious, the since-fired front office executive that said to two women reporter in the celebration – bragged about how they got him for a song they, they you know they, they they snagged him and the reason they snagged him was because of this domestic violence um you know there's this argument uh Aroldis chapman was suspended by uh baseball for domestic violence he came back and the first time on the mound he got booed and then the second time he came out he was cheered um hearing everything you're saying about cancel culture and you just don't want to cancel people is there a difference between hate speech and hateful actions i think the do the rules change i think the consequences are different because the damages are different right if both of them are a matter of ideology then either way the learning has to happen around the ideology if you physically hurt another person Part of the coming back from that is uh, dealing with the punishment, right? Which could be suspension. It could be prison time. The same way, someone goes to prison, most crimes really shouldn't put a person away for life. There should be time for them to be rehabilitated and also have to uh, fill their debt to society, to the person they injured, right? So if someone is a domestic abuser, there has to be a serious consequence for that because that's awful. If someone actually carries out a hate crime of attacking another human being uh, because of hate or because of prejudice, that person should serve time, right? But then they have to come back. If a person is a domestic abuser, again, amends have to be made. And then we give them the opportunity to show that they are different human beings. So take that back yeah. and go back now to what we're what our main focus here is yeah. uh, hypothetically if the brooklyn nets and their owner says oh, i i don't want him wearing our uniform anymore but the minnesota timberwolves guy says well we'll take him or the denver nuggets guy says we'll take him in this toxic culture the pr hit that you would get i would think would be like he, he he's almost untouchable yeah. That's where I get the sense that he's not going to play anymore in the NBA because if the Nets don't welcome him back, I don't think any other team wants the public backlash yeah. of touching him. To that end, I was shocked that the Cleveland Browns traded for Deshaun Watson. I cannot understand how a female Cleveland Browns fan can go out. And we did a podcast with Aditi Kinkobabala uh, from CBS about – um, she does the Browns preseason games, and we talked about how 
if Deshaun Watson wins for the Browns, he'll get lauded. That doesn't mean you like what Deshaun Watson did with the with the 26 women and all that stuff. And I still can't get understand how knowing they had an 11 game suspension, Cleveland traded for him anyway. That being said, because of the toxic nature of social media and everything, it almost seems like you can't touch Kyrie Irving. What, even if you had the idealistic viewpoint of let's let him have the opportunity to reform. I think from a practical business decision, that makes sense in this toxic culture that they wouldn't hire him. I think that's a problem. I think the okay. degree to which our culture spreads information and doesn't actually think through what is right, what would ideologically be correct. I think that uh, <laughs> I think we have a lot of work to do as a society. Were it to be that a team could snatch him up, I would judge the team based on whether they snatched him up before he did the work and made compensation for his mistake or afterwards. If it's afterwards and he's made amends, I think ideologically that's sound. As a business decision, that I, that may be questionable, but that's questionable because of the society, uh, the environment in which we're living. And uh, I really hope we all do that work uh, to move to a better place as a society. I guess my last question is, should Kyrie Irving's work be public or should it be private and we don't know anything about it? Given the nature of society where everything is on public display and given the nature of the infraction, which was a public statement, his apology, his work needs to be public too. Had it been done in private and that he only injured individuals in private, then a private response is appropriate. But uh, I guess the punishment should fit the crime, right? Um, we've talked a lot about social media. How, how, how do you feel about social media? Do you use your whatever social media platforms you have to promote your role here as, as a rabbi? Or is it something that you use it for your personal gain? How many burner accounts do you have? What, 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 how, how can people listening to this podcast that may have questions, how can they reach out to you? Okay, I don't have any burner accounts yet. I, I think I, I'm a big believer in burner accounts. Burner accounts are the greatest part of social media. I would say that as a rabbi, people will figure out who I am. So if it's something that I would need a burner account to say, I shouldn't say it. Um, that being said, I try to keep my personal different from the professional. And on my personal accounts, people through my professional connections who I know are welcome to friend me. I'll only friend people who I know. But I will not actively friend professional relationships through my personal because my personal account, I will share my personal ideas. I mean, obviously, I share who I am as a person, what I believe as a rabbi, but there's some things that we do not share from the pulpit and uh the personal accounts have more of a place for that um we have synagogue accounts for promoting what's happening here as an institution we have a synagogue um podcast channel for our recordings so we try to put that out there i try to put my work out there i've got a website for my written work davidweisberg.com other than that the social media is nice for connecting with people but i would probably be happier if we didn't have it one of these days I'm doing an episode about burner accounts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for, for doing this. It's good to do a podcast in person, and I, I really appreciate the honesty. Oh, it's such a pleasure, and uh, you know, thank you for asking, and it's great to be able to uh, be on here with you. 
That is Rabbi David Weisberg of Temple B'nai Abraham in Livingston, New Jersey. Our thanks to everybody for listening to this episode as well as all the episodes that we do here on Sports with Friends. We have another one coming up next week about the World Cup. Looking forward to talking some soccer or football. It's the wrong time of year to have a World Cup. I'll just tease it that way. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay, I got to be me. smile Come on, please I'm gone, forget reaching me by phone, because I promise I'll be gone for a while When you see me again I hope that you have been the kind of person that you really are now You got to get in straight, how could I ever be late, when you're my woman taking up my time